Yes, morning. Um, The Holy Spirit is moving here this morning. Um, I know that when when I have tears running down my face during the worship, that God is doing something. We should never say, oh, we believe the Holy Spirit is here, because the Holy Spirit is always here. The Holy Spirit is in us, isn't he? And so what we really mean is that the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, I speak with a New Zealand accent because I came from New Zealand originally. Um, <clears throat> so, um, and, and so, talking about the Holy Spirit moving, um, we found, Effie and I have found, uh, when we used to hold meetings in our house years ago, that um, the Holy Spirit would do things while we were doing things in the meeting. So, for example... Um, if we were singing, singing songs, praising God, people would get healed. Uh, sometimes um, when, you, when one of us was speaking, there would be things happening. But the things that were happening were not necessarily connected with what we were saying. They were things that the Holy Spirit was doing anyway. And so we should never think that when we come to church, we're going to see normal. The Holy Spirit will do his work anyway because we're all here. We brought the Holy Spirit and together we're very powerful in the the Spirit. And um, so um, uh, Arvel said I had to write everything down that I'm going to be saying (laughs) and I've never written everything down before when I'm speaking. So this will be an experiment. So if you run with me and um, I might um, go off the track every now and then. And and, and when I go off the track, I can't find the way back. Um, So I thought we'd talk about the Word of God because the Word of God is the most powerful thing that this world has. When when Queen Elizabeth was uh, crowned in 1953, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury gave her the Bible, gave her a Bible and said, this is the most precious thing that this world affords. And it is. Why is it like that? Because it's got the Word of God in it. Yes. And um, so when you hear people talking about the Word of God, you know, you know there's going to be life here. Yeah. There's life in the Word. Yes. So what have I said here? <clears throat> um, every word of God in the Bible, every word in the Bible is inspired by God himself. Yes. And the Bible has within itself the proof that it is truly inspired. Mm. But we also see that the Word of God is true, because we see what it does to people, yes. what it does in people. Uh, so, I mean, Paul said to Timothy in Second Timothy 3, um, every scripture that you see is God-breathed. Yes. It's God-breathed. Amen. That means the Holy Spirit gave it to whoever yeah. wrote it. Amen. Uh, so that the man or woman of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, so that's everything. Everything that God said we could do, the Holy Spirit has, has given it to us through the Word. And sometimes we need to actually read the Word to know what it is that God wants us yes, to do. And the Bible is not there. I've written here for entertainment, although parts of it are very entertaining. <laughs> Rather, it's there to demonstrate that God is active and, and to encourage us to emulate Jesus' Amen. works. The Bible is actually God speaking. Yeah. 
Um, how do we know that? Well, we see, see that in John chapter 1. Uh, apparently, I'm going to come to that in a minute. In Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus says to Satan, this was when uh, Satan was tempting Jesus at the, um, after his uh, fasting, 40 days fast, after he'd received the Holy Spirit. And he said to him, man shall not live <coughs> by bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. Where do we find every word that comes from the mouth of God? Find it in the scriptures. And so Jesus was speaking of the scriptures. We can't risk saying that any word of scripture is superfluous. We can't. It's a serious problem. Every word matters. Um, I've heard people say, oh, you don't need to worry about this bit or that bit because that's what the translators put in there. But, in, but if you go to the translations, to other translations, you'll find that they've been noticed and interpreted. Um, when when uh, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, there was light. Yes. And we're told that God spoke the rest of creation into existence yeah. the same way. Amen. Just said it. Yes. Isn't that amazing though? Um, and when God has spoken, since then, it has always had its creative power, one way or another. Yeah. That's how God works, by his word. Amen. So his Holy Spirit is there with his word to ensure it happens. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. won't happen without the Holy Spirit. Right. And you, using it, yeah. or speaking it, or whatever the thing, situation demands. God watches over his word so to see that it achieves the purpose he has for it. Hallelujah. That's in Isaiah 55, 11. Also, took, it's mentioned in Jeremiah 1, 12, talking about the branch of the almond tree. God says, you have observed correctly. I'm watching over my word to accomplish it. Yeah. In Hebrews 1, 3, we are told that Jesus upholds all things Amen. by the word of his power. Amen. Jesus could just say the word and be gone. We would vanish, we'd be nothing. But he keeps us all going by the power of his word. I mean, uh, sometimes I'm amazed when the scientists tell me how much energy there is in every little molecule or tiny little thing, DNA, all these things which I don't understand. There appears to be energy there, self-motivating energy. What is it? must be the word of God, the energy created by the word of God. So, and we have no, <clears throat> no excuse not to believe it. Um, Jesus wants us to confess his word, knowing that he will watch over the word. And uh, as we confess his name, as Arvel was saying, we confess his name, we're confessing the power that is in his word. Uh, Matthew 8, 8, 18, verse 18, whatever you shall bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whoops. Whatever you shall bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Watch our words. Say the word that God's given you. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus says that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they will ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven, he says. What you ask, of course, has to be in accordance with God's will or a spoken word. 
Um, and that's why we need to know the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we can recognize what God's word is. Sometimes he speaks to us from our spirit. And you need to know that what he's saying is God's word. You know because you know the word. Yeah. I thought I'd ask Effie to say something here. Do you mind? Is that right, Arvo? Yeah. Um, because she's got a testimony of what can happen when you speak the word of God. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> well, you all know I have five children. And um, <coughs> the, the, four, the four children was very great. Is half an hour labour to push the babies out. The last one, we have, I have 12 hours labour. And um, because after baby, before the baby born, the week before the baby born... Um, Bruce had a dream that a dark man pushing the baby on the brain, but he didn't look at the baby, he looked to the left, the left side. Anyhow, he came into the week, um, the day I give birth, and um, anyhow, it's long, you know, 12 hours labour. Then I give birth, then Bruce went back home because he'd been a, you know, a long time and um, half an hour he left I heard a nurse call the doctor you better be down here the baby led he might not survive sorry he's 29 and I'm still emotional <clears throat> um, I don't think he's gonna survive and anyhow the doctor came in we're in an ambulance take us to the main hospital in Auckland. It takes about half an hour to 40 minutes to get to the hospital. And um, anyhow, I rang Bruce to come to be with me and he remembered the dreams. Then we pray for it and it's nothing going to happen to Joshua because we pray. So I went to the hospital and um, anyhow, they tell me to go to my room and Joshua was being tube seven, nine, you know, I don't remember. It just tube everywhere. Anyhow, we were in the hospital for seven days and the doctor said I got to go home because I've been living in a hospital too long and it cost the hospital money. And I said, my husband pay a lot of money, tax, anyhow. Anyhow, cut the story short and I said to the doctor, I will never go without my baby. I said, I came in with my baby, I will go out with my baby. And, uh, and anyhow, even then I pray. Anyhow, I stay up and pray all night. And five o'clock, the Lord said to me, don't pray, go and speak the word. I spoke the word and the world was formed. And I speak the word and there's light. I speak the world, there is darkness. You go and speak life to Joshua. So I came down in you know, five o'clock and I asked the nurse, could I please just put my hand in you know, the little hole. And, um, and I lift Joshua up and I said, Joshua, you've got to be healed. Because the Lord spoke the word and the will was formed. The Lord spoke to your life and you'll be health, healthy. Anyhow, I went upstairs and I come down at nine o'clock. They took few or half of them out. And I think, praise the Lord. So I do the same thing. I speak the word of God again to his life to be healthy. And I said, Joshua, I am go I'm not going to go home without you. You will come with me. And I said, the Lord spoke. And I came back at 12 o'clock. They all completely gone. 
but the doctor said to me, I can't, still can't go because it's only just, the tube is only just came out and Joshua's going to be there. And I said, no. So I rang Bruce to come and take me. And even though Joshua, I went home with Joshua only because I spoke the word. I didn't pray. I spoke the word. Um, yes, the Effie um, <coughs> and I were praying <coughs> together one night, <coughs> and that's when I saw the picture of the of Satan standing and uh, you know complete with hood and everything, with a pram, and um, I just said to Effie, "We're going to have to pray for Joshua," which we did. So, so when Effie rang me up at three o'clock in the morning to say, "Oh." Uh, Joshua is um, extremely ill. They don't know whether he's going to survive. I said, oh, praise God. Turned over and went to sleep. <laughs> and I've never been forgiven for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Joshua turned out to be the most robust-looking child of the lot. Amen. Mm. So, going back to the words God spoke at creation, Jesus was there at the same time. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, he says in verses 1, in the beginning was the Word, and that Word was God himself. And that Word became flesh. Or we could say it became a human being and took up residence with us. Did you catch that? God took up residence with us. God was the Word. And it was by the Word that the world was created. And the Word was made flesh. And so when you see Jesus wandering around, he was the Word of God. The Word of God. He's the personification, I've written down here, of the Word. So it must be right. And, And John says, We saw his glory, such glory as the only begotten Son receives from his Father, full of grace and truth. That's why the word of God is so marvellous. It's full of grace and truth. Do we believe that? And um, it talks in Matthew 8, verse 16. Matthew says that um, Jesus, when he was speaking to a multitude of people there, he said, he says he sent his word and healed them. Just sent his word and healed them. There was a great crowd. So in the following verse, Matthew says this was to fulfill what was prophesied about him in Isaiah 53, that by his stripes we were healed, or we are healed. (coughs) And um, (coughs) it's always been probably my favourite chapter, Isaiah 53. Um, Do you you remember, by the way, this is not written down, but but in the Psalms, the, 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 um, the psalmist says, Tell forth the wonderful works of God. Amen. Yeah. I'm always tempted when I'm talking to people to talk about what God has done in my life. And I could spend hours doing that. Effie says this morning, don't talk about yourself. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm not. Um, so Matthew said, so, so um, I quoted Paul the Apostle above when he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So therefore it must be truth and full of grace it's the Holy Spirit or Jesus speaking through the prophet remember in John uh, 17, John 14 through to 17 he said that the um, he was going 
But he was going to send another comforter. That's another person who would speak the words of God in your life. Can only do the truth if it comes from Jesus. Um, Pontius Pilate did that mock trial of um, Jesus, remember, just before his resurrection, sorry, his death, his crucifixion. And um, Jesus came to say that he was coming to bear witness to the truth. And Pontius Pilate turned his back on him and said, what is truth? What is truth? And uh, I come, my education comes from, is a classical education. And I know that in those days, people used to argue about truth. What is truth? What is truth? And, um, you know, it's a hard, if you leave God out of it, there's no answer to it. There's no answer. You know, you go, you, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I see people, used to see people, don't do it nowadays, but used to see people in court. And you could have, say, I don't know, a car accident, and you'd have two witnesses, both saying a completely different story, both having seen the same incident, and they say a different thing. Why is that? Because people interpret um, things as they see them. And so um, the way the world talks about truth is fact. They're talking about fact. What they see is fact. It's what they see is fact. That's the truth. And so it's very hard to, to get the truth, the truth out. But Jesus, the true meaning of the word truth is Jesus. Amen. Full of grace and yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, they didn't know God, so they couldn't find the, re, re, the true truth. I mean, if you were a creator, if you, know, if you decided, I'm going to create a world, well, you create it according to rules and regulations that you impose yourself. You know, that's what he did when he created on those seven, uh, six days. Yeah. And Adam and Eve were created, and he expected Adam and Eve to be part of his creation. Yeah. They decided not to be part of his creation. They stepped outside. Yeah. <clears throat> and so everything's been slightly chaotic ever since because the rules are not being followed. Yeah. Yeah. And so God must be truth. Yeah. But the rules and regulations yeah. are the truth. Yeah. You can talk about facts, interpret them the way you want to, but it's not necessarily the truth. <clears throat> Anything that contradicts God's laws is not true. You as a creator would have designed everything the way you want it, and to you that is truth, and there is no room for argument or discussion about it. So if God says it's truth, that's it. Yeah. And we, if we want to serve God, we serve the truth. Um, the problem with the world now is that, that God created is that Satan has got a foothold and he is a liar. In John chapter, tw- chapter 8, Jesus says in the, I think it's the new NIV translation, that Satan's native language is lies. Yeah. <clears throat> he seeks to encourage people to contradict everything that God says. We see evidence of that everywhere. Sickness, immorality, disasters, contention, they're all lies. They're all part of Satan's lies, the consequences of his lies. These are, so don't consider these things to be God's truth. The truth they talk about in court is a, recur- a recounting, I've got ahead of myself, you see, 
is a recounting of what someone saw and or did. It is a statement of fact only. Different people in the same place and at the same time will have their own version of the facts and very often they don't agree with each other but it's that the person speaking is, thinks it's the truth. Um, in John 8.32, Jesus says, You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. John says that. You shall know the truth. Free from what you ask and you're free from those evils I just mentioned, such as sickness and sin, and also distress and the consequences of sin. Um, you, you should read John 8 again. It talks about what is truth and freedom, actually. Amen. <clears throat> what Satan does is creates difficulty for everyone, tries to interfere with our son Joshua, whom we knew God was going to anoint and be, yeah. and be a special person. And so, and, and um, when I saw that uh, picture of, uh, or vision I suppose it was, of, of what Satan was trying to think he was going to do, I said to Effie, not only will we pray, but we will expect great things from this boy, because Satan showed his hand. Yeah. And uh, in my experience, all, all through my long life, I've found that Satan is not very clever. No. If, if, you, if you take him on, He's had it. Yeah. Yeah. So as uh, Arvel was saying, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail hell. against us. No. Right. Um, and Jesus says that we will have peace. Yeah. Billy Graham wrote a book called Peace with God. Yeah. Uh, that's because we abide in him, we find out that his truth rules in our lives, live, lives and brings us peace. So how do we handle God's word, the word of truth? first thing to do is handle it with respect yes. uh, and expect it to do things. Amen. So <clears throat> I've got a one, two, three, four, five, and I've never done that in my life before, but, <laughs> but, uh, but here we go. <laughs> um, one, get to know the truth. Where do we find it? In the Bible, because it's the written word of God, and it's entirely truth. Yes. Find a translation that you find easy to read and that suits you, the authorised version I like because of my upbringing, my education, I suppose. And um, that's the King James Version because, well, I'll read what I've said, being old, I grew up with it and I like its compact style of writing. There was in those days a translation by J.B. Phillips, which some people do, did and still do rave about. I didn't like it. <laughs> but anyway... <coughs> I like the amplified version of the Bible, but it gets a bit chatty at times. <laughs> <coughs> Shall I tell you a New, New Zealand joke? No. <laughs> the New Zealand joke is that the amplified version of the Bible is the women's version. Oh, no. <laughs> <'Cause> it, <laughs> I told him not to say that. <laughs> well, Ash likes it. <laughs> um... So, but nowadays there's plenty of translations. And um, at our home group the other night, Hillary, Hillary mentioned, we were talking in Hebrews 10 about um, the veil being cut in two when Jesus was crucified, when he died. The veil was cut, thus signifying, it says that the way into the Holy of Holies was now open. And um, But it goes on to say, Jesus' flesh blocked the way in. Yeah. 
Jesus' flesh. And everybody in the group said, oh, hadn't noticed that before. How come that? How did his flesh block the way into the Holy of Holies? And nobody had thought about it. I remember thinking about this about 40 years ago and never quite getting the answer myself. But um, Hillary had, had the Passion Translation, which had the explanation, which was that his body had to be torn in order to get in there. And um, <clears throat> anyway, so this must be point two, I think, unless I've already got to it. Um, having, having decided on your chosen translation, decide how you will read it. From what I see here, people like in, in the church here, people like a reading plan, and that's really great. I don't like reading plans myself because they, I feel sort of I'm not reading the stuff that I want to read because I'm reading what they say to read. And, and, and I don't want to rubbish them either because they're a good thing and it's a way of getting through the Bible, isn't it? Reading the Bible. And also that you get a dose of truth today. Um, nothing wrong with choosing a book such as one of the Gospels and deciding to read through it slowly, meditating on the words as you go. Um, that way... It might take a while to read through the Bible, but you'll get more out of it. Yeah. And um, point three, never read the Bible as though it was a novel. When reading a novel, you tend to speed through. They're designed for novels, for readers, sorry, to read quickly, eagerly following the plot. We know what the plot of the Bible is. What we're wanting to do when we read the Bible is to learn as we go, as, as to how, what God is saying for us. And uh, so don't read the Bible fast. Every word of the Bible is important and, and needs to be savoured or dwelt on. You mustn't decide, as said before, don't decide a word is superfluous. Um, that's why you meditate as you go. If words look un unimportant, if they do look unimportant, find out why they're unimportant. You might be missing some nuance of meaning there. Don't get bogged down, though, because you can always come back and look at it later. And uh, every word of God has more than, it has scintillas of meaning, like a diamond, you know, yeah. it sharpen different times when you read it, it sharpens up a different yeah. aspect of it. And the word of God is full of wonder, in my experience, yeah. full of wonder. It's wonderful. And it's new every time you read it. Even though you've read it a hundred times, it's still new. Um, <clears throat> then I think, um, point four, uh, when you read the scriptures, read them out loud from yeah. time to time. Read them out loud. Um, my old university classics professor wrote a book on life in New Testament times. <clears throat> Among other things, he said in those days it was their practice to read out loud. It wasn't known that you read silently in, in the first century. Um, and silent reading was not generally done. That enabled me to see some of the, apostles Paul, the Apostle Paul's teaching in a new light. There are good consequences to reading out loud. And people who are doing A-levels and studying for university and what have you, if you read something out loud several times, it seems to go in better, doesn't it? seems to stick there. And that's what you want with the Word of God. You don't want to forget it the next minute you put it down. Um, seems to have... Yeah, some, Romans 10:17 Paul says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's quite nice to hear the word of God coming from your voice anyway. Isn't it? 
So what a great way of training your mind to take in the scriptures. Not necessarily repeating them over and over again, but although that's a good thing to do, but, but you know, try to memorise them. Yeah. The younger you are, the easier it is to memorise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Romans 10 and 9, Paul says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that is to say he is the Lord of your life, and shall believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So saying it is terribly important. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. (coughs) I could go on and on, but I won't. Romans 10 and 9, good scripture to remember. When I was in the Baptist church, we used to sing a chorus called Romans 10 and 9 is a favourite verse of mine. (laughs) And so it went on. Yes, I thought you'd say that. You'd be sorry if I did. (laughs) Um, It's good, good for people to confess with their mouth at baptism to confirm their salvation and repentance. But it's also a good practice to confirm to your mind the truth of what you are reading. And as Paul says, this brings you salvation. Brings you salvation. We can talk about that. Um, Then the final point, five. Reading the words of Jesus has a further important value. In Hebrews 4.12, the writer says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, but it also judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. Very frightening sometimes and um, I remember I don't know if I should say this but I will and Effie says it's time I finished and I will Um, I had had a time um, when I was extremely ill I don't know what was wrong with me and the doctor doctors couldn't care less really they just said don't know what's wrong with you but, but, but you're probably getting better, they would say. And so, so I sat there. I lay there in the bed for weeks on end, didn't eat anything, didn't speak to anybody apart from Effie. I spoke to God a lot. It was actually a wonderful time because God was, not only was I speaking to God, but he spoke to me. And um, I, I sang choruses to myself and I had a... Uh, little player thing, tape player, which I had going quite often, playing um, choruses, same choruses, same couple actually, over and over again. And uh, But anyway, and I had lots of pictures from God, lots of visionary things. But one I had was, I was at the church, and one of the nice brothers was standing there, and he says to me, Bruce, why are you working? Why are you walking on the words of truth? I said, "What?" I looked down at my feet, and there was all these shattered pieces uh, of very red, you know, brilliantly red pieces of I don't know what they were. And he said, "You're working on walking on words of truth." And um, I realised then 
that there were many aspects of the word of God that I hadn't actually interpreted properly. In fact, not long before that, I'd been listening to tapes, a tape on, on, in the car when I was going to the office. Um, and I thought, and it was something in Ephesians or somewhere, and I thought, that can't be right. You know, I look it up and I get there. It was right. And I thought, gosh, that didn't fit in with what I'd always thought. And, um, and so then this came. And so I, it was sort of like a renewal of my life, really, that. I recovered, but that was, I mean, the circumstances of my recovery, I uh, will talk about it another time if I'm given the opportunity. But, um, <clears throat> but they were very, it was a very spectacular miracle recovery. And um, so it made me focus on the word of God again. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you've been around. I mean, I've been, I was born again um, 70 years ago. 71 years ago, in fact. And, um, and so you get used to it. But, you know, don't never let get used to the Word of God because no, it's no, new no. and it's fresh. Yeah. Um, so, um, <coughs> so the mind, <coughs> so it judges thoughts, thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nearly finished, Effie. This confirms that the mind or soul on the one hand and the spirit or heart on the other hand are two distinct entities. So when you believe from the heart, this is a consequence of your having been born of the spirit. As you know, when you are born again, you are born of the spirit of God and God's spirit comes and joins with your spirit. Believing from the heart should not be seen as a difficult thing because your spirit in the heart already believes. And when you want to happen, and when you want what you want to happen is to have your mind trained in the scriptures so that when you hear God speaking from your heart, your mind is able to recognize it as, as God Amen. speaking. Anything that God says to you from the Spirit will accord with the scriptures and you'll recognize it as the true word of God because it aligns with what you've already learned from the scriptures. Yeah. Um, so um, I could say... Having said that, this is my last paragraph, um, finished the one to five. Um, do you take the word of God seriously? Do you need to focus more carefully on what the word of God says? You, you can read it and you hear it from here, from Arvel and Anne and the others. But among the words of truth are Jesus' words that whosoever believes in him shall be saved. Um, for Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but he came that the world through him might be saved. You'd go to heaven. This is an incontrovertible truth. Jesus said it and must not be taken for granted. No one can ignore it either. You can read earlier in the, on in that, that same chapter of John uh, where he mentioned uh, that um, he came not into the world to condemn the world. Further on he was talking to Nicodemus. Unless you're born of water and the spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. Because what is spirit is spirit. Yeah. And what is flesh is flesh, he said. You must be born again of God's spirit. Then God's spirit will join with your spirit. And that way you become a new spiritual being in Christ, don't you? And his invitation is to be born of the spirit and be saved. And it remains open to everyone. So I thought I'd finish there.